0: The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. So we've been uh, starting this uh, series, going through this series called Building Blocks, about the body uh, of Christ, about how God has called us together to be one body, to be a church, and given us different gifts, and we're all supposed to be part of it, to use our gifts and contribute to uh, the body and it really challenges our view of church because we know the function of church uh, and we think through information we think church is about learning and growing and it's those things but it's it's more than that and sometimes we can search for the function of something and miss really the connection or the love or the heart behind it so when i uh went to school for a little while i moved to texas for a couple years for a little while are there any texans in here couple none wow yeah a couple look at that a couple tell you yeah, that's right Remember the Alamo. I see you back there. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of Texas there, And I loved my time in Texas. It was great. I love being in Texas. Uh, it, was, it was great. But it was a totally new place for me. I didn't have any friends or family there. I just moved out there uh, for school. I had no connections. I knew nobody. So if you've ever moved to a new place, you know it can be, be kind of lonely. And so I remember I had moved out to Texas. I was there for school for a little while. Uh, and my birthday uh, was coming up. And I was a little down just because I didn't really know anybody. I didn't have any connections. I didn't really have any plans. I was just kind of like, I felt really distant. And so I was coming back from school and I checked my uh, mailbox at my apartment building and there was a letter in there. So I opened up the letter and it was a a birthday card. And it said, dear grandson, from a grandma, said, you know, we love you so much. We're proud of you. We miss you. Can't wait to see you. Uh, Love, grandma. It had a $15 check in there, which was, was clutch at the time, right? And I was like, that's great. And, uh, and so we had my $15 check. And, and I remember it was just like a simple card, right? But I remember I was like, it reminded me of home, reminded me of the people who love me, it reminded me of my family. And I, I was kind of moved by it. And so I remember I put it up on my kitchen counter, just kind of, you know, think of my family, think of my grandma. So I go to school, life goes on, and go to school the next day uh, on my way back. Uh, from school, I stop by the mailbox again. I open up the mailbox. And there's another card. I open it up. And it says, "Smile! It's your birthday. Happy birthday! We hope you have a great day. And remember to sign up for your next six months dental cleaning. Your <laughs> dental associate. Right? My dentist thought of me. Send me a birthday card. Uh, not as moving, right? Not as moving. The difference there, right? Same function, same thing, right? A birthday card, same, similar words on the card, but, but one has a connection, one has heart, right? My grandma thought of me, right? She knows me, she loves me, she writes it out, right? My dentist, I'm just kind of a name on a screen, right? They're just trying to drum up some business. And sometimes when we think of the church, we can think of the function of the church and we can just kind of carve out, man, what does the church bring to me or offer me? And then we can pursue that function and then be disappointed, that it doesn't live up to the way that scripture speaks of the church or the body of Christ. And I think oftentimes it's because we are pursuing the function of the church, information, content to consume, right? Uh, A spiritual life coaching. And we can find those elsewhere, right? You can listen to preachers online. You can have a great podcast or book study. You can learn, there's content out there for you to consume and grow. And those things are fine and good, but that's not the full experience of the church. The church is more than that. The church is more than knowledge, the more, the more than content, more than spiritual life coaching. The church is a body. That's how the Bible describes it. The body of Christ, of people who know one another, are connected with one another, are interdependent upon one another, and can serve one another, and grow in their faith and knowledge of God. So I want to look a little bit back at the scriptures about how the Bible describes the church. So if you have a Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, and we will continue our study here together. Join me. Let's start, actually, uh, let's go back a couple of weeks. Let's start up here in verse number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12 says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so we covered this last week about how uh, the Bible describes us as one body together, uh, joined together in the body of Christ, joined together by the spirit of God. And the Bible teaches that when you put your faith in Jesus, and you surrender your life, kind of like the songs we were singing about, you give up your life and say, hey, I choose to follow Jesus, that what God does is he seals you with his Holy Spirit, and his Spirit lives within you. And so what the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, is saying is that we are united as one body, united by the Spirit of God that lives within each of us. He continues, verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but many. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And if you were here last week, Pastor Josh spoke on this passage right here and explained that we are all part of one body and that sometimes we can feel like we have nothing to contribute, that maybe we aren't as visible or as prominent or as important, right? That we feel like a body part that's neglected or underserved or underrepresented. We say, hey, I'm not like an important part of the body. But what Pastor Josh talked about is like the body needs you. We've all been given different gifts and abilities, and we work together as as one whole unit, one body. And so even if you don't feel like your gifts are like the the prominent ones, and you don't wanna you don't think you'll end up on like a stage like this, like that's okay. Like we don't need everybody to be on a stage. That would be chaos, right? Like we need a body to work together to function, and and we need you. The body needs you. And that's an important lesson that the Apostle Paul puts forward to those who maybe say, like, I don't know if I have a place there. You have a place here. The body needs you. But what he's also saying, what he's also speaking to, and the point that I want to talk to you about today, is that you need the body. The body needs you, but you need the body. Look what he says in the next, next verse here, verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He's saying there's no part of the body that can say to another part that I don't need you, right? We know that that's how our body works, right? Our eyes need our hands, our head needs our feet, right? For us to do what God has called us to do, for us to live our lives, right? We need the body to work together. And what the apostle Paul will go on to say and explain to us is that we have no right as followers of Jesus, as parts of the body, to look at the rest of the body and say, I have no need of you. And I think on the surface, we get that, because that sounds rude, that sounds impolite. But in practicality, in how we live our lives, I think a lot of us struggle with this idea. What the Apostle Paul is saying is that we need each other, and that you alone are not self-sufficient to serve and know God fully on your own. You actually need the rest of the body for that to happen. That you were built and designed to need the body. You were designed to play a role and be part of it. All of us are parts of the same body, and none of us has the right to look at another and say, Hey, I have no need of you. And what's behind this sentiment when we see it, when someone looks at the body of Christ and says, I have no need of you, really I think it's broken down into to two reasons. The first, if we're being brutally honest, is a sense of superiority. When there's a Christian, a follower of Jesus, who says, I don't need the body of Christ, I don't need the church, what's underlying is a sense of superiority. If you're like me, you've met people like this, there have been seasons in your life maybe where you're like this, maybe this is where you are right now, where you feel like, hey, I follow after Jesus, I believe there's a God, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, but the whole organized religion thing, that's not for me. Like, I I believe in the Bible, I read my Bible, I pray, you know, me and Jesus, we have a relationship, but, you know, I'm not part of a church. Maybe you've talked to people like that. Like, I don't really feel the need to have a a church. I don't really get what's the point of being part of a church. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is saying, hey, you have no right to look at the body and say, I have no need of it. In fact, what's underlying that is a sense of superiority of saying, I don't need the body. He's saying, yes, you do. You desperately need the body. This person who says that, they feel like their relationship with God is just solely contained in themselves. Like my head, my heart, my spirit, my prayer life, my Bible, just me and Jesus out on the road. And the Apostle Paul says, no, no, no. There's no New Testament Christians who are out on their own, just independent Jesus' followers with no connection to the body. That is a foreign concept to the New Testament. But the other person who says, I don't need the body, says, I have no need of a church. I don't want to be part of the church. I think what's underlying it too is a desire for protection. There are people that you will meet who will say they're a Christian, that they follow after Jesus, but then you get to talk about church, and they're like, no, 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 I don't do the whole church thing. And when you get to know their story, you find out why. It's because they've been hurt by the church. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been part of a church and they have used your gifts and your talents and they've wrung you dry. And when you had nothing left, they threw you aside. Or maybe you've been part of a church and you're like, no, I was idealistic at one point. I was all in at one point. And I went in and I offered my full self and I trusted those people and they sinned against you and they hurt you. And you said, that's not gonna happen again and you separated yourself from the church. If that's where you are, I am so sorry that you experienced that. That is not God's design for the church. And in fact, the Bible speaks to to both of these people about how the church should look and how it should function. Go with me to the rest of this chapter here in 1 Corinthians 12, Uh, to recap 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which is our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that it lacked, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Paul says, again, look at the body. There are parts of the body that are more um, visible and that are more uh, tougher, right? Our tougher body parts, right? Our elbows and knees, the bottom of our feet, right? They can take... Uh, the elements and take contact and and they can be out there in the world. He says, but our body also has weaker parts that we treat with more modesty and and more care and and more tenderness, but they're indispensable, right? None of us would argue that the weaker parts of our body are indispensable, right? Like your eyes, right? You say, yeah, those are important, right? We need those parts in our body, even if they might not be strong or they may not be uh, visible, And what the Apostle Paul is speaking at here is to those people, if we continue this metaphor, who are part of the body of Christ, and you say, yeah, like, I'm out there on my own. I'm tough, I'm strong, I'm self-sufficient. He's saying you need those other people in your life. You need the people who are weak and needy. You need the people who are desperate for the Lord, who maybe can't go out and make it on their own. In fact, the body works that way that you come and be part of this body and you invest in this body. And yeah, you help them, but they also help and teach you. And then he says to those who are saying, yeah, that's me, like I've been beat up and bruised. I need greater care. I need greater covering. Like I need greater honor for those people. This should be a place of healing. He's saying the body of Christ is designed to work that way, that if you are beat up and bruised and you've been out in the elements, that you come to the church to find care, to find healing, to find support. I mean, the the book of James talks about how the gospel is a great leveler. And we see that here in this uh, passage as well. But man, God has come to, to equalize, to bring us together. He finishes in verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. What he's getting at again and again is that we are connected, you and I in ways maybe that we don't even know and that we'll never know this side of heaven. But he's saying that actually we are one body united under the headship of Christ. And that when one member of our church is honored, we all rejoice. And when one member of our church suffers, we all suffer and we all mourn with them. This is the picture of the body that Paul paints. He's saying members of the body, Christians, of the same town, of the same Lord, of the same Spirit, gathering together and working as individual pieces of one whole unit, working in one accord under the leadership and guidance of the one Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives within you and me. It's a beautiful picture. I mean, but have we, have we seen it? Have we ever seen it? I, I would say no. I say we see glimpses of it. But I'd say that actually living in, a, in our modern day society, living this way that the Bible calls us to is really difficult and really countercultural. So the big point that Paul is telling us is that you need the body. You need the body. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. You need the body. And this pushes against our culture and our tendency, right? Because our culture values independence and self-sufficiency. Our whole whole world is structured that way. Think about the life of uh, people in the time of Jesus' day versus the life of people in our day, right? Think about Jesus and the people who lived around him, what life would look like. You would go, uh, you'd live in your, your home, and just the simple everyday parts of life, you would need to be around other people. Think about if you needed to go get water for your family, water for your home. Well, you'd have to go to the well and you'd have to go rub shoulders with people. Think about you would, you would go to work probably out in the fields or out in the marketplace, and you'd be around other people all day, at least in Jesus' part of the world and in his culture, when you would eat your meals, right? You would eat your meals outside, kind of like, like a patio situation, and everyone would eat together. You probably knew your town and your neighbors very well. You probably lived life with them and saw them every day, talked to your neighbors every day. Compare that to today. Some of you are like, hey, I've never talked to my neighbors. I've lived in my house for 12 years. Like, yeah. Like, right, our life is you get up in the morning, you get in your car, and you drive, alone mostly, right, in your car with your windows up, not looking or talking to anyone. And then when you stop at a stoplight right next to someone, you try to look away. It's like, I don't want to make a friend here today. And yeah, you go to work, you go to school, and you talk to people, and you interact with people, right? But then you go home and either you pull into your garage or you park at your building and then you immediately walk inside your house and you close the door and that's where you are for the night. Right? You have no need to go out. You have everything you need inside, right? I eat my meals inside in the air conditioning, right? I get my water inside from the sink or the refrigerator. Like I don't need to go out there and be part of the world around me. In our culture, it, it feeds into this, right? Like this is what our culture tells us, this is normal. They want you to believe that your life is meant to be lived alone or at least independent of needing other people. Like, sure, you can go join clubs or groups or participate in activities, but that's just something that you choose to do. If you don't want to, then you don't have to. You can just live your life kind of secluded, alone, isolated by yourself, right? You go to the grocery store, buy your food, and you check out at the Robo Cashier. You don't even talk to anybody, right? Like, I just... I've interacted with no people today and I've gone home. You can do that if you want to, right? But that's not the life that the Apostle Paul is calling us to live. He's saying, no, 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 like you've been designed to be part of community and you've been designed, if you're a Christian, to be part of the body of Christ and you've been designed as a human being to be interdependent on the community around you. That it's actually a lie to believe that you were designed to live your life alone, isolated and independent. No, 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 that's not how the world works. And that's not how the body of Christ works. You were designed to need other people because that is how God works. So you need to be part of the body, you need the body. But the question that comes up, I think, when we ask that is why? Why do you need to be part of the body? And why you need to be part of the body, the first reason is that you can't be fully obedient to God all by yourself. You can't. If you have this idea that it's just going to be you and your Bible, you and Jesus out on the countryside, out on the road, well, you can't fulfill the Great Commission or the Great Commandment. How are you going to make disciples of all nations without being invested in the lives of other people or being in places where you know people and you can share the truth? How are you to follow the great commandment of Jesus to love one another as you love yourself if you don't have another person in your life? You're not part of a community. You're not part of a group of people where you can express that kind of love. That's not how God designed it. God designed it for you to be part of a church, part of a body where you can invest in people, part of a community where you can share your faith and get to know people and love people. That's how God designed us to live—it's the mission that He calls us to, and the blessing of the church. For me, um, man, I've been—I've been blessed. I, I grew up uh, in the church, um, spent some time kind of searching and finding my own way, and finding the Lord on my own terms. But as a as a young man, came back to the church, and have been deeply involved uh, in the church for uh, a couple of decades. And as I've been in the church and part of things like service teams and small groups and community groups and Sunday school classes and all the names that we give them, right? As I've been part of these groups, I've seen the power of what community, deep, God-centered community can do. Like I've personally witnessed people in a group going through hard times, a guy losing his job and the groups coming around him and saying, we're gonna pay your rent and we're gonna buy your groceries for however long it takes until you find another job. Like that's, that's a picture of the body of Christ. I've personally been there in hospital rooms when people have accidents or tragedies and injuries and they need to rush to the hospital. And I've seen a group from church, the body of Christ show up and fill the room and say, hey, what do you need? We're going to go get you food. We're going to go take your kids home so that they're, they're covered and you can stay with the person that you need to stay with. Like, we'll be here. We can, we can come up with shifts, right? We can, we can stay with him. You can go home and rest. Like, I've seen that happen through connections made in church, the body of Christ working together. Not to mention the, the countless everyday things that we see of people just needing a friend, of needing someone to pray with, of someone going through a hard time and sharing their hard time with someone in the body of Christ and that person pointing them back to Jesus, giving them hope or encouragement. That's the picture of what the body is supposed to look like. And and you can't experience that unless you're part of the body. And the other part too is that for you to be fully obedient and be part of the body, man, you need to learn from other people. You can't fully experience God by yourself. You you haven't been given all the gifts of the Spirit, right? As great as you might think you are, you haven't been given all the gifts of the Spirit. Neither have I, right? We need one another to fully experience God. God is more than just what we experience or know or see every day, right? My experience with the Lord is very head over heart, right? I, I know the Lord through studying his word and seeking after him and and learning about him. But that's my my natural bent. And I benefit so much from my friends who really feel his presence and know what it's like to sit in the presence of the Lord and feel close to him, who see him work in ways that I don't see in my life, and then who share those stories with me and it builds up and increases my faith. Or there are days where my faith is really low And I just feel like really far from God. And I need to come to to church and I need to sit in one of these chairs and I need to hear from Pastor Roby or Pastor Justin or whoever else is up here. And I need to hear from them and I need to hear their faith. I just need to feel their faith. I need it to come through to me. I need to be filled up by what they have experienced. It's the body working together, right? Just how when you have an injury, one muscle compensates for another. It's the same with the body of Christ. That you might be weak in one area, but there's someone who's strong, who's here in that area, and together you can more fully experience God. And I need friends in the faith. I need friends that when times are hard, people I can go to and share what's going on in my life because it's so rare outside of the church. It's so hard to find people in your life, friends like that, that you can really share what's going on because, man, it's just it's hard to build those relationships without a foundation of your faith. Because again, that's not how people are wired. Right? You know this. You open up too much, talk to somebody about something too sensitive, and they're like, hey, wow, that's that's tough. And they avoid you for a few months at work. Like, all right, you need to like cool off. I don't need to be getting involved in your mess, right? And you're like, yeah, I need someone in my mess, right? Like this is how this is how our lives go. This is how our, our lives work. But the big part of it. Is that I think we can't actually see God or know God without other people. We can't. Like, like what are we, like, what are we doing here on a Sunday morning at its base core purpose? Why do we gather here? It's to to seek and to worship the Lord, right? I mean, how many of you are like me and just, just desperate to experience the presence of the Lord? Think of any doubts or, or pains or hurts that you have in your life. If you just knew God was there, that he was with you, that he was near to you, how much all of that would just melt away? Like if God showed up right here, his presence, boom, right here, you'd be like, I, I still got questions. But man, my, my doubts, they've they faded. I, I, I still have needs, but, but I have hope because God is with me, and God designed it that way and then designed us to have that need met and filled through the other people in the body of Christ. There's this old preacher story that illustrates it. You've probably heard it a million times. I've heard it a million times. But it's this old preacher story of this guy uh, in his house. It's wintertime. He's cold. He's warming up by the fire. Life's been kind of hard for him, kind of busy. It's a Sunday. He wasn't at church. He hasn't been at church in a long time. He's just sitting there warming up by the fire, and he hears a knock at his door. And he goes to the door, and it's his pastor. And he does what all of us do when our pastor comes in, like straightens up, right? Tries to look presentable. Hey, pastor, come on in. Yeah, come on in. Immediately feels guilty, right? Starts just confessing things. Hey, I know it's really been... A tough time. I know I haven't been around a lot. I know I haven't been at church long, a lot. I, it just things have been really busy, right? Work's been really busy. Family's been really crazy. Like, I just haven't been around much. And, and you know, I'm sorry about that. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get back. You know, like, it, it's, it's, just been, it's just been kind of a crazy, crazy time for me. The pastor doesn't say a word, and they sit down by the fire. And it's awkward. And the man kind of starts sweating a little bit. Like, what is he doing here? Like, why? Why is he here? And the pastor takes a, a fire iron, a, a poker, and he takes a coal out of the fire and he sets it on the edge of the mantle. And he, they sit there and they stare at the coal together. And they watch the coal go from burning white hot, cool down to a little red, to cool down to just regular gray cold by itself. And then he looks at it. He looks at the pastor. He's like, okay, I get it. I'll be at church next Sunday. They throw the coal back into the fire and leave, right? Because that's what happens to our faith. We get near to the presence of God, near to the fire, and then we go off on our own and it, and it fades. I get the privilege of being a pastor, but there are so many times in my life where I'll meet with people and they'll come to me and they'll tell me about how their faith is struggling. And they've just got like a lot of doubts and a lot of questions They don't feel that close to God, and as we start to hear about their life and and hear about what's going on, oftentimes they're not connected to a church or a church body. And that's always my advice, is the first step is to to join a church, be part of a church, because your faith can't survive on its own, right? It it runs cold. Think of the metaphor that the Apostle Paul is saying, that we are parts of a living body a severed part of the body does not live on its own. Your faith away from the church, your faith away from the body of Christ will wither and die because you need the body. And I love that old preacher story because it talks about God and it talks about his presence as a fire. And we know from the book of Hebrews, uh, the author of Hebrews describes our God is a consuming fire. And when you look through the story of the Bible, it's one of those themes that runs through the whole thing. Like think about Moses, right? When Moses is wandering through the desert, wandering through the wilderness, and he sees a burning bush. It's the presence of God in the fire. And he calls him to go and save Israel. And then he goes, and he, he delivers Israel. God delivers Israel and uses Moses. And they, they make it through, and he parts the sea, and they get to the other side. And They're out wandering in the desert. And then God calls Moses up onto the mountain to receive the law. And as he goes up the mountain, the people of Israel step back in awe because the mountain is thundering and smoking and it's on fire. And Moses goes up there and he receives the law and sits in the presence of God, sits in the thunder and the fire and comes down and brings it down. And then as they get ready to travel, God directs them to build the tabernacle, kind of like, you know, the tent that held the presence of God. And as they build the tabernacle and put the things in the tabernacle, the Bible describes how the smoke and the glory of God just fills the tabernacle. And then the people of Israel camp around the tabernacle, and they know God is with them because he gives them a cloud of smoke or a pillar of fire that rests above the tabernacle. And then when that fire or that smoke moves, Israel gets up and moves because God is moving. And they live and they go throughout the wilderness and they, they live their life seeking after God. Eventually, they end up in, back in the promised land, right? They take Jerusalem and they go and they settle in Jerusalem. And David's like, man, I want to build a temple. But it's not until his son Solomon shows up and King Solomon builds the temple for the Lord. And there's this beautiful passage where uh, King Solomon builds the temple and then prays to dedicate the temple, and as he prays to dedicate the temple, the people of Israel are amazed and stunned because the, the temple is built and he prays and he dedicates it, offers it to the Lord. And then it's this cloud of smoke and fire fills the temple. And the people are like, "Whoa, God is here. God is with us. And then the people of Israel, they, they live and they follow God, but they, they forget their God and they forget their ways, right? And they start to, to go after other gods and worship after Baal, And you have that amazing story where you have the prophets of Baal and then God calls Elijah, the prophet of Yahweh, to come and to to show Israel who the true God is. And they meet on this mountain and they pray and they say, Lord, show up. They pray to their gods and say, God, show yourself, show your presence, show your power. You have 800 prophets of Baal all cutting themselves and whipping themselves and crying out to Baal and nothing happens. And then Elijah says a simple prayer to Yahweh. It says, Show the people who you are and what you can do. And then fire comes down from heaven and it licks up the sacrifice and all the water that's there. And God shows himself again in the fire. And then you go to the New Testament. John the Baptist shows up. He starts preaching, baptizing people. People come out to see John and they're like, hey, are you the Messiah? Are you the anointed one from God? Are you the one that God has sent to us? He says, no. He says, there will come one after me. I baptize with the water. But he baptizes with the Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus shows up. And he lives the life modeling a life of obedience and faith, living a perfect life without sin, teaching us what it means to be a follower of God. And then he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross for your sins and mine as a sacrifice for our sins. And then he is buried in the tomb. And, and three days later, the Bible says he raises from the dead. And the disciples gather around him saying, well, well Lord, what now? What now, Lord? We're here. What, what now? What's next? Like, you've conquered sin and death. You, you were crucified and now you've risen. Like, what do we do now? Like, do we go take over the world? What happens now? And he says, you wait. He says, I, I have to go back to my father. It's better for you that I go because the helper's coming and he'll be with you. And so Jesus ascends, he goes back to the father and the disciples wait and they pray and they seek the Lord saying, Lord, what's, what's next? What happens next? And then they gather in Jerusalem for a festival near the temple, right? Where the presence of God dwells. And they're there near the temple and they're praying and they're saying, Lord, what, what do we do now? What's next for us? And the Bible says fire comes down from heaven, tongues of fire. But it doesn't go to the temple, it rests on the disciples. And what the Bible is communicating is that the Spirit of God is no longer in the temple, the Spirit of God is no longer on the mountain. The Spirit of God rests and resides in every follower of Jesus. That this is where the presence of God is, it's in you. It's in the person next to you. And so often our faith is, let me go off to the mountains and seek after God. Let me come to the temple and find God here. That's not where it is. It's in the person sitting next to you, in your rows, in your pews. That's where the Spirit of God rests. And so for us, we are desperate to seek the presence of God. And we're desperate to feel what it's like to know him, to fully know him and be known by him. But we're seeking in the wrong places. Because our culture and community tells us, hey, I don't need other people. It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and my Bible. And then the Bible says, no, that's not what it is. You need other people because that is where you find the fire. You find it in the person next to you. And so for us as a church, I just kept thinking and just being pressed upon like, well, what do we do with that? Man, there's so many ways to get connected, right? There's, there's groups and places to serve, but, but if you wanna feel the presence of God, it's, it's being ministered to by the people around you. It's letting the presence of God, the spirit of God in one another speak and move. It's being vulnerable and going to another person in your church, another person who carries the fire of God in them and saying, here's what's going on, and then giving God a chance to work through that person in your life. So I think the best way to do that, cut through all that, is is prayer. So here's what we're going to do in just a minute. The band's gonna come out, I'm gonna pray, the band's gonna come out and they're gonna lead us um, in a song. And as as they lead us in a song, I encourage you to pray. But don't just pray on your own, like, take the chance, push through the vulnerability, the awkwardness, and pray with another person in the body of Christ, another person that God has appointed and brought here today to be near you another person who carries the spirit of the living God in them. And maybe you're saying like, hey, I don't know anybody here. Like, that's okay. We've got a, we've got a prayer team. They'll come up and they'll, they'll be available for you to just come and pray with them. Or maybe it might be more comfortable for you to just pray with someone that you know that's here. Maybe a friend brought you here. Maybe your mom or dad brought you here. Your husband or your wife is here with you or your kid. And just as we go through this last song, just take a minute and pray with them. And let the Lord minister to you through them. It doesn't have to be something miraculous. It doesn't have to be something long. It could just be simple and say, hey, would you just would you just pray for me? Pray for the Holy Spirit to bless me. Pray for God to, to work in my life. Whatever's going on, let someone pray for you and see, see how the Lord uses his body to minister to his people. Because we need the body. We need one another. That's where we find the presence of God. It's in one another. So as the band comes out to lead us in a song, I'm going to pray for us and then give you an opportunity to pray together. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we love you. And Lord, we are here. Lord, we are seeking you. I pray, God, that you would work in us and through us today. Lord, I pray for my friends here who just feel far from you, Lord, that you would stir up in them a great faith and a desire to know you. I pray, Lord, for my friends here who just, God, they, they want to see you move in, in their family. And Lord, I pray that you would do that. Lord, I pray just for my friends here too, who just who need support and need encouragement and need love. God, I pray that you would provide that in the ways that you do personally or through one another. God, bless this body. Bless these people. Be with us, Lord. Amen. As the band leads us in this song and the prayer team comes up, I encourage you to take just a moment, either come up and seek prayer from the prayer team or pray with someone else maybe that brought you here or is nearby. And then when you're finished, join us in worship. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org.